The following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Go to ProWrestlingOnly.com to enjoy other fine podcasts, as well as match reviews, book reviews, video game reviews, and of course our forums. Let's start the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to a special mini episode of Days of Thunder. Not quite a canonical numbered episode of the show, but seeing as we're one week out from our Bash at the Beach 98 special, I thought it was apropos of myself and my good friend and co-host Lee Malone to sit down and talk about a little documentary that just showed up on the network a couple of weeks ago as we're talking tonight. And that was the WWE Untold Rodzilla Runs Wild. Only a half hour long, so it didn't take too much of our time. Um, but before we get into all that, Lee uh, will shatter kayfabe straight away. This is immediately after we recorded our last <laughs> episode. It's a bit later. We're a bit more imbibed. We're a bit punchier. How are you feeling? You were relaxed last week or two hours ago. Uh, how are you feeling? <laughs> I'm not doing too bad. Um, I, I was contemplating going down to get another drink, and then I said, no, because then I'm going to get messy. <laughs> so, yeah. I've had my two drinks. I'm pleasantly uh, lubricated and in a good mood. You know, this is going to be kind of a smaller episode than normal, we think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. You know what we're like when we yeah, get going. We, we kind of go off on tangents, and we have a couple of tangents that I'm sure we're going to go off on on this one. So, yeah, now look, this is going to be a fun little kind of mini episode to go along with everything else. And, you know, people ask for more Days of Thunder, so we're going to give the people what they want. Be careful what you wish for, my friend. Um, So, yeah, before we get into it, we just have, a, a, like, just a, a couple of little questions. And there's something I want to I, I wanna ask a question of, of Lee Malone, because I know something he's been watching lately that I want to talk about. Um, our, our first uh, question uh, comes in from David, who says, uh, question, when can we talk about the video games? This is the infamous WCW Thunder video game, I believe, on PS1. Uh, and I, I've thought about this because there's a lot of kind of like ancillary media around WCW and around Thunder. And there's some stuff we'll very obviously cover when it eventually comes up. Like, I don't think, Lee, we will be blowing the doors off anybody to say that when it happens, yes, we will review Ready to Rumble, for example. Are we? Oh, Lee, <laughs> Lee. Can of I just ask, have, have you ever seen that movie? Multiple times. Okay, okay, yeah, so have I. Yeah. I had it on VHS. I mean, come I, on. I'm so excited, six years from now, when we eventually get to do that. But anyway, so there'll be different things like that. When I think about stuff that's more niche, shall we say, like the video mm. games, the thing I've always thought about the Thunder video game, Lee, and I, I don't know if you'd agree with me on this, like, firstly, by and large, you wouldn't be the video game guy of the two of us. Um, mm. Like, I'm deep in the fucking, like, I am past the point of saving a video game guy. You know, I, I have my pre-existing podcast that, that I was doing way before this, linked to the cast, that's still ongoing. Nearly five years I've been doing that thing. 
Um, so yeah, I I am deep in it, but but you're not really a video game guy, are you? Sorry, just take a timestamp of this. Have you looked at your phone? Uh, no. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> No, do you know what? We're, we're going to leave this in. Uh, we just got a like from Shima. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm go. sorry, but that, that has popped me way more than it should have. <laughs> Part of me wants to go at Super Shima 1115. Uh, do you have any questions for us? <laughs> um, no, so, yeah, you're not a, a video game guy, are you? Uh, look, I've I've had PlayStation one, two, three, four. I'll probably get a five when it comes out. Um, yeah. I'm a play. I'm a fucking video game guy in that I play FIFA every year. I've played the fucking multiple awful WWE games. Yeah. You know I play Football Manager, but I don't get into you know fucking real, shall we say, gaming the way you would and. Yeah. It's just, it's just that my team. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a lot more of a casual guy. I'll stick on fucking FIFA in an evening and play two or three games, and that'd be it. Whereas you're kind of fucking you fucking you finish off games and go deep into things that you know. I just yeah. I don't have the fucking patience for that. <laughs> yeah. So like my my first thing on this would be like I've thought about like the logistics of it. Would we do like if we were to ever do it, would be like play the game and you would sit there and, and commentate on me playing the game or, or what would it be? We'd be kind of at a loss with the whole, you being more casual than me and this, that you wouldn't have the, I, I don't think we could give it the proper days of thunder treatment that way. And we, we'd um, have to be together to play. And I mean, God knows yeah. we can't fucking stand each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we have a restraining order actually. <laughs> um, but the other thing, honestly, like the main serious thing for me is that like I, I kind of um, much as I kind of love my video games and stuff like that, like my video game stuff is over there with Link to the Cast and my kind of wrestling creative outlet is over here. So at least at the moment, I'm not saying that we won't ever cover uh, the game, but like at the moment, I like keeping the two apart and that it scratches different parts of my interests and my interests uh, are kind of kept apart like that um that's just kind of the way i am at the moment i don't really want to cross the streams uh, too too much um with what i do because i i god i already talk long enough about things i tell you what i'll make a deal on this if we ever and i'm not saying we will we may we may not if we ever make a patreon <laughs> And Mr. David O'Neill subscribes to our Patreon. <laughs> it, has, it has to be him. Malone, Malone's trying to get his coin now, is the thing. We will do an episode on the WCW Thunder game. Yeah. What you've sensibly said there is you're open to bribery. but uh, look, 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 I have never hidden this. I am open to co-option. <laughs> I will write anything. Yeah. I will fucking say anything. I will yeah. sell anything. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. The serious answer is there's no immediate plans, but like, who really knows what the future would hold? Like, if there was a thing where, you know, somehow we we uh, got to the level where we could do a Patreon and do additional content, we might look into it there. You know, who knows at some stage when we run out of all the ideas we have on our little Word document for bonus episodes, uh, whether that might be next. So it's not a no, it's a we don't know we don't really 
by and large, we don't have the whole fucking thing mapped out. <laughs> We're not really. I I'm flattered if anyone thinks we are professional. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, we're the furthest so thing from professional. Yeah. But, you know, look, if, if people want us to do it, pay me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our, our next question kind of related to the logistics and our lack of professionalism. Amos uh, Evans in with asking us about our mailing address because Amos very kindly has, has a gift for us that... Uh, he wants to get to us but uh i was kind of uh i've kind of alluded to it before on twitter because a couple of people have asked us about sending us things and like honestly it's the most flattering thing in the world that that people think of us Mm -hmm. and and want to send us nice things or perhaps hate us and and want to send us knives and threats um one way or the other you know it's still nice you thought of us well i mean that'd be disco sending them to you but (laughs) yeah god damn it gilberty um but no uh so like kind of i'm not gonna really get into it but like for various reasons myself and, and lee are, don't necessarily want to give away our, our postal address on the on the air um but we have kind of talked about looking into like asking on post which is our national post service what their deal is with like temporary post office boxes because i don't think we necessarily get the kind of like 90s era level fan mail where we need a permanent <laughs> PO, po box <laughs> But uh, once all the un- current unpleasantness in the world is over, it's absolutely something on my to-do list we'll to see if we can it, set yeah. up a temporary situation if those couple of people still want to send us a thing or two out of the kindness of their heart. And also, I still haven't forgotten if the football season does resume and end that I we have promised uh, prizes for whoever tops the Days of Thunder Fantasy Football League. Speaking of things we have to send in the post. The Nick Lambros um, Memorial Trophy? League? Cup? I can't remember what we called it. Yeah, a shield, I think. Was well, a shield. Was Nick Lambert's yeah, memorial shield? Um, we have another question from Amos, which is, which specific drink that you've had during the podcast pairs best with a particular wrestler? All of them. Um, what? <laughs> all of them. <laughs> I mean, all of them have definitely made the show more palatable. And I mean that in terms of watching Thunder and yeah. talking about Thunder. Obviously, having uh, the chats with you on a bi-weekly basis, my friend, is an absolute pleasure. But, uh, dear Lord, some of these shows uh, have been much better at beers. I'm trying to look back on my um, on my my untapped here. I'm at the... Am I at the day-to-day of an untapped? I think you I are. just give the wrong fucking thing? Yeah, I am, yeah. At the day-to-day of... So, what beers do I have on here? Jesus, I have a lot of them uh, for such a short time on here. Uh, I really liked that puka uh, sour that I had a couple weeks ago. And I think that... That really captures the the bitterness of one Hollywood Hogan. So that's a good pairing right there. <laughs> uh, um, I'll, I'll tell I'll... you for the for the worst thunders. That do you remember that um, I tweeted about it while I was watching an episode of Thunder, not while we were doing the podcast. But I had that Chimay Grand Reserve Blue Label, which I thought was just a normal beer, and it was like ten percent. <laughs> <laughs> so for the worst episodes, I think that's a great pairing. That's for any Chavo match. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple of others like Neck Oil, uh, the Ichiban one. I love the Yankee White IPA. Obviously, I keep going back to the Blue Moons. Blue, Blue Moon is um, a great one. That that's that's I, like um, that's like our Booker T. That's our like comfort blanket for the show. 
100%. Um, I, if I were to plug a local brewery, though, and I think you can get it if you're if they deliver to your country or your part of the country, if you're Irish, there's a, a website called beerfloat.ie who are selling uh, a lot of the, the range of the Kildare Brewing Company, which is like only about 20 minutes away from where I live. And, you know, support local businesses in these harsh economic times and all that. But their electric juice is incredible. Uh, and I'm looking to get myself, uh, they, they're they doing a new range, a new IPA called Lockdown IPA. Can't imagine oh, why Jesus. they picked that title. Um, big big yeah, fans those, of TNA, I'm assuming. Yeah, those are the kind of ones that, that stick out to me, as well as like the, the plunged orange one I had around Christmas as well. The, what was, the one what that, was that one you got in Lidl, the really that, citrusy that's one. The one? That was the one, yeah. was it? Yeah, the uh, Hatherwood Craft Beer Plunged Orange with the kind of uh, the diver on the on the front of it. And, and I um, will say that like that's something we do. Like we came up with this idea that we'd pair, you know, every show with a drink or a different drink or like we you like you especially you try and change it up for all the shows. Yeah, I but, don't I like with the exception of Blue Moon and I think I doubled up on Hogarden once, I think I've had a different one every single episode. And I will say you've been a lot better at that than I have. Whereas I kind of I went off beer for a couple of weeks, and I think mm. whiskey is my very much my go to. Like, like again, breaking the fourth wall on this. Like we record during the week. I work very early in the morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be getting up with a fucking stinking hangover after drinking yeah. something awful. So you know, whiskey is normally my go to if like I haven't gone out and gotten something specific. Like when we have a pay per view show, I'll probably go i'll go out this weekend and i'll have a look around and see if i see anything nice maybe when we're out but generally we kind of we like to have something that we know is going to be nice so yeah yeah i always have even if the beer turns out shite uh like i do come off adventurous on the podcast with my mm. beer choices but i i always have uh, a steady supply of like blue moon or who garden or something that I like uh, on handy. I think I have Sierra Nevada IPA at the moment as my mm. backup beer. It hasn't happened yet where we've done a podcast where I'm like, this is so disgusting. I need to stop and go get another beer. Um, <laughs> but what I will but tell you is like, the day will come. I, I can only roll the dice so many times before it happens. Like that is to say, we're not beer snobs. We do drink no. like just regular fucking easy to access stuff. Yeah. Like it's not like, we're, it's not like you're going out and fucking scouring the shelves for like the hardest to find thing like i i found fucking sam adams like that's fucking that's just regular fucking shit like that's you know yeah you get that everywhere and that's probably yeah. about as adventurous uh, as i went for a couple of the shows it, 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 it's funny because it's it's less about i didn't come up with it really as a as a podcast gimmick it was something i was looking to do myself anyway and it came up in conversation the weekend where we came up with the idea for this show and it was um it, it was, I, I kind of had found myself settling into patterns of just drinking the same beer. Like I was going mm-hmm. abroad and I was in Germany and places like that, just drinking the same boring beer I'd have at home. So kind of putting it out there in the air on the podcast and going on the untapped app were my way to motivate myself to actually go outside my comfort zone. Um, so that's kind of the genesis of that bit. Um, but if you go on to the day to day on untapped, if you have the untapped app, um, you will see, like, I rate these beers as I'm doing them on the podcast. Um, so you'll see on there what what some of the, the best and worst ones are. I haven't, thankfully, like I said, had one that was absolutely horrendous yet. But the day is coming, my friend. <laughs> um, 
our last question here comes from our good friend Chris who we haven't actually heard from in a, in a couple of uh, Q&As on this thing so I'm sure you get asked this a lot but why can't I do a Pick Your Poison episode on Disco Inferno do you know what we do get asked that a lot and it's normally by Chris <laughs> it's normally by Chris and then sometimes you when you're looking to annoy me um, <laughs> me never <laughs> Chris, take this uh, t- take this with the utmost respect as it is intended. We love you. Uh, you are one of our favorite Thunder Buddies. You have been one of the, the oh, people we've one enjoyed. One of the OGs, ban- yeah. You've enjoyed bantering uh, with you back and forth. Yeah, the OG, as uh, as Lee was saying. But I want you to conceive of, <laughs> as, as much as you're into disco, and I will play devil's advocate here. One of our rules on Pick Your Poison is that you can't pick anything during this period of WCW. So, like, God bless Glenn Gilberti, but the pickings outside of his his time in WCW as Disco Inferno are slim. Uh, although, didn't uh, one Alan Forel recently alert us to some random match he had in Japan? I think, didn't he have a Dragon Gate match? I think it was Dragon Gate, wasn't it? I think it was like a six man or something like that. Um, um, and I mean, let's not forget, there was the sex run in TNA. The sex run. <laughs> Please never use those words like that again. <laughs> you know, you're you're saying you had slim pickings. I. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, look, I like disco. I very much enjoy disco, unironically. Yeah. As much as Dave likes to protest that I'm doing it just to annoy him. But yeah, we cannot, and you know, it's a shame we cannot ever do a disco inferno pick your poison. He's we one just of those guys. There was somebody that came up as well. We were talking about uh, not long ago, or maybe it was me and Johnny, where I was just like, "Oh, I'd love to do a pick your poison on this guy," and. It was pointed out to me. It's like name six matches they had outside of WCW that were any good, and I was like, "Oh yeah, there's a couple of those guys who like much as we might enjoy them and want to talk about them. Their their absolute peak was during the period that we're not allowed to do for pick your poison uh, because of our rules." Uh, I, I remember hey, that. Chris, I can't remember who it was actually because I rem- I do remember having that conversation, and somebody yeah. said that to us. But look, Chris, if we're to give you a bit of hope on this, uh, what I will say to you is this. There's only so many pick your poisons before we start running out of options. <laughs> so, and just remember Patreon. No, I'm not joking. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, right, Lee. Before we get into WWE Untold, uh, where we talk about just a bunch of fucking carnies, I want to talk about the biggest carny I have come across in many, many moons, and that's your boy Joe Exotic. Ah, oh, Dave. <laughs> now, Lee. I this show came out Tiger King on Netflix and Emma my partner had heard of it because he was on he he featured on a Louis Theroux documentary years ago that I have no memory of right but uh, so she was like oh you know I've heard people say that this is really good I was like okay well like uh, I'll give it a go um and I watched it over the course of maybe one night and it was, or no, well, no, three, three nights we'll say. Yeah, I think. 
uh, and it was unbelievable. And then I started harassing you and all the guys mm-hmm. start watching this show. Um, and you have pretty much binged the whole lot of it now. So uh, please, I'm going to sit back and I want to hear your thoughts on Tiger King. Okay, see, I obviously I have a son, so I couldn't watch this during the day. Obviously, you know, things going on, you know, not in work. Oh, as, this is a post-Watershed show, if ever there was one. Not in work as much as we used to be, so, you know, half days off and whatever. And I, this would be the ideal show to literally put on at 10 o'clock in the morning and finish at, what, 4 o'clock in the afternoon or something. Yeah. I, I will say, by the way, we're, we're going to try and not spoil anything because... Go in as blind oh, as yeah. possible to this show. Uh, uh, that's crucial. I found out after, well, just before I finished, that there is podcasts about this show, about this whole thing. Um, some guy did like a big fucking deep dive into all this a couple of years ago and ended up doing like a series of podcasts and uh, I think he did articles and stuff like this. So they're like, this show isn't the first time this topic has been covered. <laughs> But my God, this show starts as one thing, as like, you know, Joe Exotic, this, you know, he, he is eccentric and, you know, he keeps tigers and it's all about him and a zoo. That's what I thought it was going to be. And my God, by the end of what, is it seven episodes, six episodes? Seven. It's seven, yeah. By the end of episode seven, you've gone on such a journey that honestly you're not even sure who's right who's wrong is anybody right like (laughs) everybody involved in this story is the biggest fucking carny you can imagine and at, at one point you're just like how is this shit allowed to go on because, honestly, like, I, I ended the episode, like, the, the show last night. I finished episode seven last night at, like, two o'clock in the morning. And I think I just sat there and I was, like... Just staring at the wall. Yeah, like, honestly, it, it is one of the most incredible series of episodes of a show. Like, I can't even call it a show because this shit happened. There is actual video footage of some of the most unbelievable stuff. This show is they, unbelievable. And my favourite thing about it by far is finding out in the wake of watching it uh, that there was a wrestling show held at Joe Exotic Zoo for which he seemed to be ring announcer and commentator and Tim Storm was on this show and a couple of other people that you actually would have heard of. And not only did someone find the card, but then quickly after, somebody else found the whole Footage. show in its yeah. entirety on YouTube. Like, um, abs- a, pic- a picture came out, what, three weeks ago of The Undertaker with Doc Antle? Yeah. These people that you, f- that you learn about on this show are the biggest workers you will ever... <laughs> ever meet or ever like learn about because the wrestling business is shady the fucking exotic animal business is a whole nother level and yeah yeah. honestly like it i I don't want to spoil anything i really don't I'm, i'm trying not to spoil stuff but this this series of episodes of a show has everything 
like there, there's nothing it doesn't touch on. <laughs> there's no emotion it doesn't hit, and no ridiculous lengths to which it does not go. Again, throughout this the whole show, there's moments where I just have to sit and pause it and just go, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah, it's just it's bizarre beyond belief. But look, we'll we'll, we'll park it there and kind of uh, maybe we'll touch back on it when we can talk about the details of these absolute carnies. But obviously, um, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It is yeah. People say it's must watch TV. It really is. Yeah, it's 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 unreal. But uh, speaking of must watch TV, Lee, uh, the WWE Network had a bit of a treat for us, and I couldn't believe this is one of those like the universe has been weird, Lee, because so much AEW stuff has like called back to stuff we would have recently covered on a podcast uh, that like it just weirds me out. Um, but now WWE are doing it that like right as we were about to get into our bash mm-hmm. at the beach, uh, running. Uh, they put up, 22 years after the fact, uh, a short WWE Untold documentary. And this is the first one I've ever watched in that series. Um, on uh, Rodman and Carl Malone. Um, and it's funny going from talking about WCW to watching a very WWE Sheen documentary, isn't it? Yeah, like the contrast is... It's there for everyone to see. Like it, it's not hard to pick up on, but like it's amazing to me that this came out literally a week or two before we were going to cover the show, and it's free. Like I'm, I'm not saying anyone listens to the show, but the timing of it is just—it's beyond freaky for me. That right before we get to cover this actual match, that this show comes out, and it's all new footage as well. It's not like fucking canned footage that they've used for years and years. Like, yeah. they, they got these people together to talk about this match for some reason. Yeah. Um. And speaking of carnies, we were talking about Joe Exotic, but, like, our main cast of voiceover characters here, absolute carnies, uh, Eric Bischoff, Hulk Hogan, DDP, and fucking somehow they got Dennis Rodman in between his trips to Pyongyang, uh... Hang on, you, you do don't know that he wasn't in Pyongyang filming this. We don't know that. That is true. Um, <laughs> I tell you what, who's who's the biggest fucking carny on this show? Oh, it's tough. Because, like, all four of those guys I've just named here. So there's also, like, uh, David Shoemaker, the, the journalist and author, mm-hmm. is on here as well and gives a pretty kind of, I suppose, reasonable uh, point of view on all this. But, like, the four guys I just named, Hogan, DDP, Bischoff, and Rodman, all to one extent or another throughout this documentary, I had moments where I'm like, you are full of shit. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly, I think Hogan's the fucking worst of them. I mean, that's that, that wouldn't be... I don't think anyone's going to be surprised by that. Uh, there is a particular line I took down by Hogan in here where I was like, oh, fuck off, Pat, will you? Um... <laughs> But yeah, so this is a doc on the Bash at the Beach 1998 main event. Um, I mentioned our four talking heads, but God, something that uh, really hit home for me, that with the exception of Rodman, who's looking quite well 22 years later, my God, DDP, Bischoff and Hogan look so old. Well, I mean, DDP was fucking, what, 40 in 1998? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is the thing. 
you kind of forget because they're all acting like children in 1998. They were grown men then yeah. and they are old, old men now. Like, it, it's easy um, to say about Hogan. Like, Hogan was wrestling since fucking 1979 or whatever. Like, he debuted. Yeah. Like, DDP became an active wrestler in, like, 1993. So people yeah. for, tend to forget that by, like, 1998, this guy was, like, fucking 39, 40. Yeah. Have you seen that photo of Hogan going around lately where he's like sitting on a balcony or a deck or something like that and he fucking looks like Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong? No. Where he's got he's got like that full beard now and he's he's wearing the bandana and it's like <clears throat> it's the first time where like because Hogan even as he's you can see there's more wrinkles you know and stuff like that over the years but he still looks like Hogan you know what I mean? But like I saw this photo and this is the first time where I was like wow Hulk Hogan is just an old man now because mm-hmm. like even his arms look quite small um, which is not something I'd ever like I thought Hulk Hogan would go to the grave with the pythons brother it, it's uh, one of them one things of where you you don't expect these people to age like they, they die yeah. as they were yeah it's just a reminder that like as ridiculous as they are they are actually people and we don't pause enough to think about that like, like here, um, here's a comparison. Like, I know you watched the Goldberg Broken School Sessions. Yes. And do Steve Austin and Goldberg look any different? No. No. In fact, like, Steve Austin probably looks better than he did 10 years ago. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He was carrying a little bit of extra weight there for a while when he had finished wrestling and before he got into acting shape. And, like, he's looking great now. Yeah, he really is. And, like, it was just seeing them sitting across from each other. Like, to me, it was just like, shit, like, it could be fucking 1998 and you've seen them together. Yeah. And now it's, like, fucking 2020 and just, like, fucking 22 years later, there's no difference. I'd still fucking, I'd still fucking lose my shit if them two were fucking stood across from each other in a ring. Um, Something David Shoemaker says early on in this program, which I, th- I, I hadn't really thought about, is, like, <laughs> the trope of like getting the celebrities in to get the pop culture hit like that's one of the things like that they ripped off some classic wwf with that Mm -hmm. like that's a vince mcmahon trope if ever there was one you know wrestlemania the original uh trying to cash in on as many celebrities as possible to get as much buzz as possible like having mr t in the main event Mm -hmm. of your first wrestlemania there you go um like i think i think even as i was gonna say like that first WrestleMania, like the the coach of the New York Yankees, was the fucking ring announcer. The fucking Muhammad Ali as the special referee, like Cindy Lauper. But like, it's not only that. Like the celebrity wrestler goes back to fucking the territories. Like I remember yeah. seeing a uh, Jim Cornette shoot, and he was talking about Buford Pusser, who is yeah. obviously from the or the Walking Tall movie is based on. Like, he used to show up in fucking territories in Tennessee as, like, a special yeah. appearance. Or even, famously, Andy Kaufman. There you go, there's another one. Like, it, like wrestling is, you know, this the celebrity wrestler has been a thing, not just in WWF, but, like, going all the way back. And probably WCW, doing this match in 1998, was probably the biggest, fucking biggest ever ones. Like, biggest, like, current celebrities. Up until I want to say yeah, it was like Kevin Federline. It, it was, yeah, <laughs> it was right up there with like obviously because this even happens in the same year that WWF used Tyson. Yeah, 
So like it's it's right up there with that. It's just another in the proud tradition because like as Shoemaker says in this documentary, like even though we take the piss out of some of them like Arquette and and people like that, um, it's a proud part of wrestling history. It's it's been there since the dawn of time, really. And let's just say um, we will not be taking the piss out of David Arquette and WCW. We will not. Our champion, my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, he describes it as being a unique situation because one, they didn't go the obvious route and get football guys, which I thought was funny because Kevin Green is also on this show, uh, on this pay-per-view, should I say, not the documentary. Um, and what made it super hot was that the two of them had a real rivalry because they were on opposing sides in two straight NBA finals in 97 and 98. Um, which, just just think of that. Like, imagine having... I don't know who was in the finals of the NBA last year. The fucking the Gold State Warriors and I don't know the fucking is it the Pistons or the Rockets? Like imagine having Steph Curry and fucking James Harden on a wrestling imagine show. Having, imagine having Ronaldo and Messi. Like there you go. <laughs> like there was no bigger star. Okay, there was one bigger star in basketball than Dennis Rodman. Yeah, and he was on the same team as him. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, of all the straight-laced good guys in basketball, I don't think you're going to find many more better fit for wrestling than Karl Malone. True, true. Um, and speaking of Dennis Rodman, we start getting into the, like, I think one of the big draws of this is, like, uh, you know, was this documentary going to have good Dennis Rodman stories? And boy, did they. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bish- Bischoff tells a story about uh, Rodman. So they were all out on tour leading up to this pay-per-view. And Rodman insisted that they all go to a gentleman's club. So they get in, everybody's drinking, they're having a good time, and he can't find... And I I just... It cracks me up whenever anyone refers to Rodman as Dennis. Because it's such a not-Dennis Rodman... You know what I mean? Like, that personality and that... uh, The the vibe he gives off is not that of a Dennis. But anyway, he... He says he can't find Dennis in the club. So he went out back. He went to the bus that they'll been traveling on. There was two security guys out there. Uh, and they're like, he goes to walk on. They're like, are you really sure you want to walk on there? And Bishaw's like, yeah, we're friends, you know, whatever. He walks on and he doesn't say what he saw, but he described it as being like a scene from Caligula. Um, so, and then like, as he said that, like up flashed a photo of Rodman with like five or six yeah. women in bikinis around him. So I imagine it was some variation on that, but probably less bikini by the sounds of it. Um, but what was funny about this, Lee, was that then it immediately cuts to Rodman and just going, oh, the wrestlers were just as bad. <laughs> I, I love that, like, Rodman, or, you know, these guys are talking about, like, um, Dennis Rodman being this, like, fucking wild man. And, you know, he's out doing all this and Bischoff is giving an example like that of walking onto the tour bus and seeing whatever he saw. And then Dennis Rodman just cuts to him and goes, ah, the wrestlers were worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it genuinely said, like, Dennis Rodman, wild man of the NBA, had trouble keeping up with wrestlers. And I believe it. And, and I mean, we all go, ah, oh, wrestling was wild in the 70s and 80s. You know, territory wrestling was fucking, it was crazy. And then we all kind of go, ah, well, the 90s weren't as bad. Yeah, wrestlers died of steroids and stuff like that. And then you have Dennis Rodman going, Oh no, these guys were fucking mental. (laughs) (laughs) So just just think about that. Think how bad things had to have been for Dennis Rodman to go, you know, these guys had problems. 
Yeah, and then, like, something that was talked about on WCW TV a lot was the idea that Carl Malone was a huge wrestling fan, and they talk about mm-hmm. it later on in this documentary. But something that doesn't get talked up enough is that, like, Rodman was a wrestling fan going back to be a, being a kid, and he's talking here about how much he loved the Von Erics. I, I didn't realise this, that he grew up in Texas. And he said, I had, all, all I, we I, had I, was football and the Von Erics. Yeah, so I knew he grew up in Texas. I think I'd watched a documentary about him before or an interview with him before where he mentioned that. But I had no idea that he was like a huge into the Von Erics. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like the most incredible thing in the world. Um, They point out here, and it makes very much sense, like with the way he was dressing, the way he was acting, the way he would present himself in the media... His provocative nature, really, Rodman was a real-life wrestling heel. They compare him to, like, Gorgeous George, you know, with his blonde, curled Mm -hmm. hair, really kind of riling up people back in his day. And it's just like, he was so provocative for the time, everybody wanted to see him beaten up, so it was just like, it was manna from heaven that he wanted to come to WCW It's around this time that Rodman says, you know, "Ah, like, if, if there was social media in the 90s, like, I'd be a billionaire. And yeah. I mean, he's not wrong. He, he would. Like, he was no. Kanye before Kanye. Yeah, he absolutely was. Um, DDP says, right, so this is the... <clears throat> here's the thing about DDP. It's DDP, as we said on last week's show, uh, notorious self-promoter. Uh, a lot of people say it about him. They love him to death, but they say he's a shameless self-promoter. Mm-hmm. Now, he's also known for a bit of a tall tale as a lot of boys in the biz are. And the thing is, I've heard so many interviews with DDP where he's asked about a thing that happened in his career. And somehow, 100% of the time, it was all his idea. (laughs) Now, on a couple of these bits, Bischoff does back him up. But, like, Bischoff's his boy. Yeah, I mean, they're freaking neighbours, which they tell you every time they're on something together. So, just because Bischoff says it was DDP's idea doesn't mean I'm fucking believing it. But anyway, DDP has this story about how he went to see the Utah Jazz play because he's a big Carl Malone fan. And while he was in the crowd, Malone clocked him, looked up at him, and did the diamond cutter sign at him. <laughs> yeah. And they got to hanging out, and they traded numbers, and DDP was like, oh, if you want to get in the ring, I can make it happen. Um, this strained credibility for me. Yeah, that that was a moment where I just fucking rolled my eyes and went, ah, yeah, of course that happened. <laughs> yeah. Look, all I'll say is, notable by his absence in this documentary, Carl Malone. <laughs> yeah, I, f- I thought that was weird. Because surely of the four men involved, he's the one I hear the least about. I imagine he probably has the time to do this. A uh, little sit-down interview, but anyway. And I'm sure he would have, um, you know, told the truth, which just wouldn't do for this type of thing. Yeah. Uh, love, uh, I wrote here, love DDP being so humble. It was all me. <laughs> because he, he talks about how he heard they were bringing Rodman back in. And he's like, what if? He goes, I went over to Bischoff's house. We sat on the deck. We drank a beer. And like, what if we do me and Malone versus Rodman and Hogan? And Bischoff's like, genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just fucking... I mean, what do you say to that? It's such, it's such fucking bullshit, like... But he said it's... I'd say it's one of those things He believes. He has said yeah. that so he much believes that he it. believes yeah. it, yeah. Just like Hogan, who, like, works himself into a shoot on everything. Um, 
And here, like, you then get a bit of an insight into Bischoff's mind, and it tells you everything you need to know about the guy if you didn't know it already. His philosophy on wrestling and sports media, he said both sides were going to give him shit about it. So sports media was going to give shit that, like, the two basketball players were sinking down to the level of pro wrestling. And that the wrestling media were going to give him shit about bringing in these guys who weren't wrestlers straight into a main event. And he goes, even though both sides would be giving them shit, the publicity from people not being able to stop talking about WCW, that's what he wanted. And it's, look, I'll give Bischoff shit with the best of them. He's right. He he just did, like, he's not wrong in that regard. Like, he, he says it like he couldn't buy the advertisement. Like every yeah. every time people were talking about Malone and Rodman, they were going to be talking about how they're doing this fucking fake wrestling match, blah 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 blah. And I mean, he can't pay for that shit. Hmm. Um. There's a reason why that man's book was called Controversy. Controversy creates cash. Um. One thing I didn't realize, like with the timeline of events here, Lee, was that. Malone and Rodman faced off in the NBA Finals a month before Bash at the Beach. I know. It, it, it's honestly fucking crazy, isn't it? That, like, it's so... Like, it's so unusual for me to be talking about how, like, a wrestling company struck while the iron was hot. Usually, they only get to things months after they were popular. Like... Like, like imagine... Like, I know for us, football is the easy comparison... But imagine having a fucking Real Madrid, Liverpool fucking Champions League final, right? And then a month after it happens, you have Sergio Ramos and fucking Mo Salah show up in a fucking wrestling company in a wrestling company. I would love that. I mean, he'd still have to he'd still have to sell the shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like. Just the man, like the biggest fucking basketball game of the year, the biggest series of basketball matches of the year, the NBA Finals, and a month later, these two are in a fucking wrestling match. Hogan tells a story, which again, you know, pinch of salt. It's Hogan uh, about how Rodman, and I do believe this part is true because I, I think I read this that Rodman skipped uh, a practice for one of the finals games to go to Nitro. Oh, this is very much and true. Yeah. Yeah, but then the second part that I'm kind of pinch of salt about is that Hulk Hogan directly got a phone call from the Bulls coach asking where his guy was. Oh yeah, Phil Jackson was 100% ringing Hulk Hogan asking where's Dennis yeah. Rodman. Like he was his fucking keeper yeah, that, or something like that. Like Phil Jackson like Phil Jackson the, is notorious for being a fucking detail guy in the NBA, I think. And, you know... He's not ringing fucking Hulk Hogan asking where Rodman is. He knew where Rodman was. He just couldn't get yeah, like he just couldn't get Rodman to be where he wanted him to be. That's all that was. Yeah, like like I say, he wasn't Rodman's babysitter. No one was babysitting Rodman. Like bollocks, Hulk bollocks. Um, I love this Bischoff admitting that. Look, I didn't tell them to work an angle on the NBA Finals. But a conversation happened where I said it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they did something off the court. <laughs> Which, look, again, I'm not going to bash him for it. Yeah. Look, if you're Eric Bischoff, if you're in that role, you're 100% trying to get them to do that. Look, you're, you're not going to tell them to get thrown out of the game. 
But like you said, if fucking they're giving each other the eye or fucking pointing at each other during a fucking time out, mm. you know, he, he's not going to hate them for it. Yeah. Uh, DDP taking full co- full credit for the Jay Leno angle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So firstly taking full credit for it and then him and Hulk spinning a yarn that DDP basically was shooting on him on the show. Okay, first of all it says Malone was going to be on The Tonight Show whether the Jazz won or lost. Yeah. You know, that's not hard to believe. But then it cuts to Rodman and Hogan are on The Tonight Show. And it's Malone and DDP crashing the show. So which was it? Either yeah. Malone was the guest and DDP was along with him, or they crashed the fucking show. You know, it can't be both. And then the the funniest part of it all is not only that you know DDP and Hogan are trying to spin it that DDP beat the shit out of Hogan on the Tonight Show. It's that Jay Leno held these four guys apart. The Jay Leno single handedly <laughs> separated these four big fucking professional athletes. Hey, look, that man can walk into Sturgis and come out unharmed. I believe that Jay Leno could handle these guys. Yeah, look, it's fucking... Like I say, it's only made funnier by the fact that, you know, DDP and Hogan are trying to spin it that they fucking legit shot on each other. Yeah, uh, it's so funny. It's so funny. Um, We have uh, one of my favourite things about this documentary nextly, and that's we see more... Of more footage yep. of the top secret press conference than we ever saw on WCW television. Dave, why didn't they show this on Thunder? They had it was great. They had an actual press conference. It was a real press conference, and they didn't show it on TV. Yeah, what a payoff! <laughs> Twenty-two years it took for this fucking footage to get out. <laughs> I'm sure they showed bits of it on Nitro, but I would have been showing that every five minutes instead of those video packages. Dave, it was real media. Yeah. We thought it was made up. It was real media. (laughs) They did not show it. What a payoff. What? I couldn't believe it. Oh, my God. I I lost it at that. I was just like... Oh, yeah. Do you know what? This company deserves to go out of business. Yeah, I just threw my hands up. I was like, how can they get so much right about this angle and so much wrong at the same time? Um... They talk about um, so the different approaches to preparing for this match. Carl Malone being such a huge wrestling fan and such a dedicated professional, he actually went to the power plant to train with Paige to the point where Paige was kind of like, oh, fuck. Um, whereas Rodman, eh, not so much with the preparing. Like, he was pretty much, oh, we'll call it in the yeah. ring, brother. <laughs> Which I well believe. I would love to be as confident about anything as Rodman is. <laughs> Do you think that man has ever set his mind to something and not done it? No. Um, speaking of setting his mind to stuff, he fully admits here that he was fucking steaming drunk for the match. <laughs> I was generous and said hungover, but you're absolutely right. He was fucking definitely drunk. He said they'd been out drinking all night on the Saturday and he mentions basically like he was so drunk that he didn't sober up until I think like 15 minutes uh, into the match or something he says yeah yeah Paige stiffed him or something 
and that woke him up finally. Um, it was funny. Rodman, uh, they were saying, all the guys were saying Rodman didn't want to take his shirt off because Malone popped the top off and he was cut from marble. And Rodman disagrees. He's like, no, that's not why. I, I just wanted to show people the shirt. I was trying to sell the shirt, yeah. What a worker. Yeah. What a fucking worker. Yeah. What a charity. Uh, I love that. So he talks about, there's a very famous, we'll talk about it next week on the show, but there's a very famous spit spot mm-hmm. in the match. And uh, Rodman talks about the spit and he goes, and I quote, DDP was a selfish fuck for him. A, a little selfish fuck for a minute there. <laughs> yeah, everyone's fault but his. Um, next, we have Hogan's ultimate carny line in this whole thing. Hitting the Hogan high spots for an interview where he said, I've never been thrown around like that by any other man, even Andre. Fuck off. You can't even do a fucking documentary about a tag match without talking about Andre. I know. It's Hogan. I mean, you get what you pay for with him. Yeah, very true. Uh, Wrapping up uh, this this doc, Rodman, he says they're thankful for the opportunity that they got. Bischoff and Hogan say they're very, very proud of it too. Then we have credits roll and the best stinger ever, the best post-credits tease of all time, where Rodman just goes, that's the only time Carl Malone beat me. (laughs) (laughs) Again, probably not wrong. (laughs) Yeah. He could have his wrestling. I have two two rings. That was great stuff. Um, I I will say, I'm just going to say, I will say people should watch this before they watch Bash of the Beach. It's a fun little little accompaniment to it all. Yeah, on the whole, what did you think of it? Ah, look, as soon as I saw the fucking four talking heads, I, I, I knew what it was going to be, but, you know, yeah. like I say, it's half an hour, it's not fucking, it's not taking a fucking big, huge amount of time out of your day. It's yeah. just a fun, easy watch. Yeah, enormous pinch of salt, but yeah, enjoy it, it's on the network, um... And it's an interesting window into those guys, uh, how they've created their own mythology around mm-hmm. themselves, uh, for sure. Anyway, look, Lee, it looks like that's going to do it for a little mini episode. Uh, we hope everybody enjoyed tuning in uh, for this non-canon adventure. Uh, we're going to be back next week uh, talking Bash at the Beach 98. I'm really looking forward to it. The biggest party of the summer. Our second straight bash. Um all the lads <laughs> 10 fucking matches so much to talk about so much history um at wcw thunderpod on twitter to uh have a chat with us give us your memories of bash of the beach 98 or what you've been thinking of the shows lately or any passing thought wcw related that you might have directed towards us there individually i'm at the day to dave lee is at malone underscore 713 we'll see you next week keep well stay safe Days of Thunder will be back for Bash at the Beach 1998. I can see through the stars inside you. I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart. I can see through the stars inside.